iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And then there were four. We're all set for the semi-finals following the final weekend of the Premiership regular season. Exeter and Bristol will be the hosts against Sale and Harlequins, respectively. Stuart Barnes suggested in the Sunday Times that Quinns may have stumbled on a winning formula which could take them all the way to the title. Surely not. Barnsley joins us on the Ruck today. I'm Lawrence Delalio and Owen Slot and Stephen Jones are also with us. Gentlemen, good morning to you all. Morning. A, uh, a no. blistering uh, weekend of uh, of sunshine and a, a fairly dramatic weekend of, of Gallagher Premiership rugby in, in in round 22. Sadly, COVID reared its ugly head again and we missed two fixtures, Worcester against Gloucester. Uh, and also Bristol, top of the table, didn't give London Irish the opportunity to qualify for the European Champions Cup. So a bit of a sad end for, for, for London Irish, but uh, Bristol were probably happy to... Uh, uh, rest their players and, and finish the, the regular season top. Um, obviously, other games, uh, Wasps, Leicester, Exeter, Sale, Quinns against Newcastle and Bath against Saints, all of which we will discuss in great detail. Um, Stuart, if I start with you, um, where, where were you at the weekend? You, were you watching Wasps, Leicester? Or? No, I was, um, I was sent by the ST 10 miles down the road to the wreck for not the first time this season. Mm. Well, it would have been the first time you've gone more than 10 miles to watch a game this season. <laughs> well, I, made, I, I made the long journey to Bristol once. Uh, well, listen, let's start with that one. I mean, I mean, you know, obviously fans in the stadium as well, which, um, which let's be honest, just gives everyone a lift. The players, uh, ourselves, just, just everyone, the fans, it's just been brilliant. And particularly when uh, they can be bathed in sunshine. I mean, Bath have... Uh, I've had a very mixed season. Um, if you're a Bath supporter, you're probably just relieved, really, to get it over and and to get into the Heineken Champions Cup, uh, you know, by beating uh, Saints, albeit in absolutely dramatic fashion with a last-minute try from uh, Josh Bayliss. Yeah, well, Bath were a point ahead, so they were just about... They were all right for their European position, but it was typical Bath. They dominated possession and territory for huge chunks of the game, but didn't make it pay on the scoreboard and Northampton were far more incisive and from a Saints point of view you know they had nothing to play for they were absolutely sealed in fifth place there was a lot of character Uh, for Bath it was a great breakout try by Josh Bayliss Mm -hmm. and it was a real tonic for for the crowd who luckily I think haven't seen much of Bath this season (laughs) Uh, Bath have gone backwards Stuart Hooper's first year they got to the playoffs they played some decent rugby They've regressed quite a long way. And whilst the atmosphere, as Lawrence rightly says, 
uh, just 3,019 people. You know, I used to play in front of more people than that at the wreck, but they were they were so into the game. The sun was shining at the wreck. It was a, it was a a fabulous final few seconds. But but I must say, I see no way at all that qualifying or not for the Champions Cup, Bath have any hope in Europe. And it reminded me a little bit of when Northampton um, were a mid-table team and they used to keep qualifying on the last day of the season, get drawn with Leinster and lose by 40 points and then go into a, a crisis. Um, Bath have a lot of work to do over the summer. Um, it's been a very disappointing season for them. They won the game, uh, but of the two teams, you can see that Northampton are going to go into next season in a, in a better position. And, and Stuart, I mean, obviously with Danny Cipriani arriving, well, he's arrived and yeah. he will he will be running their uh, their attack next season. Well, I, uh, hope, I hope he will, Lawrence. I mean, I mean, well, he, 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 he tends to do that everywhere he goes. So um, he, he is the, he's the number 10 and the attack coach. But uh, I'm, I'm just curious, as, I mean, whilst I'm a massive Neil Hatley fan, um, you know, I, I believe that he's got very good qualities as a, as a forwards coach, scrum, etc. breakdown. Um, they desperately need a defence coach, don't they, really? Or they desperately need someone who can some, add some real bite into their defence. Because at, at the moment, Neil Hatley, that resides with him. And, and I just they're just leaking way too many points. Well, you know, you, you could say the same thing about Harlequins, couldn't you? Um, they don't have a specialist and, and they're paying. And it'll probably come back to bite them in the next two weeks at some stage. Um, Bath need a defence coach badly. They need a lot more edge to their game. Um but I think perhaps even more than that, Lawrence, they need someone who's got a, a macro vision of the game. Yeah. I think from Hooper through to his coaches, everything is micromanaged. They, 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 they see things in, in the minutest detail and what they don't get is the big picture. And because they've got some good players, every now and again, they break out and things look good for 10 minutes but they just don't have the feel for the game to turn that into 80 minutes of management. And Cipriani is probably past his peak as an individual, but he could be Bath's most important signing for years if Hooper is prepared to say, you effectively, Danny, are running this show. Because um, Reese Priestland kicks goals brilliantly, but Bath's backline has been so wooden, their attacking play has lacked any feel and Cipriani if you said who could come in and just explain to Bath how you could provide some fluency you would say Cipriani that's not to say he's going to come in and be player of the season as he was for Gloucester those days may have gone but his understanding of the game is second to none in England and I think he's a very very important signing well we'll keep sending you down to the rec Barnsley to keep an eye on Bath next season um, <laughs> Um, listen, we will get on to our four semi-finalists shortly, but let's round things up with uh, Wasp Leicester. Jonesy, again, both teams ended up qualifying for Heineken Champions Cup. I think Wasps mathematically needed two points. Leicester were pretty much there before kickoff, but but uh, confirmed their place. Um, they were just overpowered, Wasp, weren't they, with all their injuries? I think yes. Leicester's scrum just dominated, and and they at key key moments they just got beaten up. Yes, they did, and and you know I, I think Lawrence. Coming off the back of their glorious victory last week, it must be really difficult to pick themselves up. Uh, I think, uh, look, there, there, there's an urgent need there. I, I'm slightly worried about replacements for Will Rowlands uh, and, and, and one or two of the other big guys. And I, 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 I'm also worried when 
we keep on and on about the, the great young players that they've got. No question about that. But we don't, you'd also want some great old players as well, if you, if you know what I mean around there. And that's what worries me. I think that's what cost them on the weekend. Look, it's great in, in the Midlands derby, in the Midlands derby scenario that Wasps and Leicester are, are rising as teams. I think Wasps will, will have to look, uh, lick their wounds and really look, um, you know, with a baleful glare at, the, at, the, at each other for next season. I still think they're a great team in there somewhere. And so um, very disappointed that they didn't win that game. I didn't think they would. Mm. And as you said, uh, Leicester are looking so much more like Leicester <laughs> than, than they have for, what, five years, six years? Yeah, they. I mean, five tries they scored against Wasp against Wasp four, um, which was, uh, as I said, it was a highly entertaining game. But uh, it just seemed to me in the key moments, Leicester had had uh, a little bit more physical edge to their game, which which Steve Borthwick is uh, has certainly brought, and uh, and just seemed to have a lot more depth really in their in their in their squad, particularly off the bench. And as you say, it'd be fascinating for us all. Actually, I'm not sure we'll ever get to do this, but. Uh, to actually truly understand how much each club is spending on their wages um, and actually write that down in the league table. Because, uh, you know, whilst there is a salary cap in place, and I believe there's a couple of years for, for each club to, to, to fall in line with that salary cap, as was agreed, there's also different, different amounts being spent by each club. And, and I'd, I'd be interested to see, versus how much they're spending, where their final league position actually finishes. Because, you know, it's pretty clear that Exeter and Bristol are right up the top of that salary cap and they spend a lot of money and, they're incredibly well coached, obviously, but it's no surprise they finished first and second. And you know, if Wasps are not going to put their money into the, into their into their squad and the depth of their squad at this stage, then um, they're not going to they're not going to finish at the top of the table. Simple as that. Slotty, where where were you at the weekend? Uh, I, I'm still. I was at Saracens yesterday, but I'm still slightly recovering from the assertion that that Bath, who do have uh, all the money in the world, are, uh, are banking on their um their comeback next season. On, on the idea that Danny Cipriani is going to uh, going to do it for them, um, mm. a player who hasn't really played decent rugby for well, it'll be two years by the time he, he comes back. Uh, mm. Who who, who uh, left left Gloucester midway through the season or or early in the season because it just wasn't wasn't working anymore. I would absolutely love it if he if he makes a revival. But sorry, I just couldn't let that one pass. It, it just got me. It, it, Bath of all the money in the world to spend, but they, and they've been trying to get mm. an, an, a a world class number ten for ages, and the, the idea that they've that they've gone there that that is that is a, a last resort uh, approach, and it, oh, it's oh, fingers crossed because just... Danny can do great stuff for a club, but 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 when he's not in the right frame of well, mind, I, I also I also think that you know, if, you, if you look at all the clubs that have got the most potential, you know, if you were if if any of us were eyeing up a a a, a job in 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 the front line of coaching rugby. <laughs> You know, you you start you start with a club that's got enormous potential. Now, a few years ago, that would have been Gloucester for me. I would have gone, you know, what's the most underachieving club in the in the Premiership? It's definitely Gloucester. Uh, at this moment in time, that club is Bath, without a shadow of a doubt, given everything that you've said. And I don't mean, you know, I, I don't think that's my London bias in any way. I just think it's a fact. You know, the the the, the owner, the the financial clout, the the, the facilities. No, I agree with you. I mean, I mean very very briefly there. You know, I, I'm not expecting Cipriani to come in and be Wonder Man on the pitch. I'm expecting him to come in and be given the freedom to run the show in an offensive capacity. Bath are so lacking in, in that fluency that that is vital. And Lawrence, right at the start, talked about Cipriani coming in and effectively 
if he is allowed to be a player coach, he can do great things, even though he's passed his best as a player. If he comes in and he said, you're part of this squad, that's it, then Bath have wasted whatever money they've spent on him. Right, chaps. Listen, we <clears throat> enough talk about Bath. They finished somewhere down the bottom of the table, so we, uh, we, we really can't talk about them anymore, or Wasps and Leicester for that matter. Um, let's get on to... Uh, our, our great uh, friends, the gentlemen of Harlequins, uh, who were playing Newcastle and a uh, high scoring game, inevitably. Barnsley, you have, you've had plenty to say about Quinns in the papers, but I uh, uh, thought the performance of Kenningham, young Kenningham at, uh, at, uh, at seven, has, has got reasons to be cheerful. You know, thought they were gonna, really going to miss the likes of Will Evans, but they're playing really well, actually, Quinns, and they have been for quite some time. 54 26, scoring tries from everywhere. Two for Danny Kerr, who's. Um, who's uh, had a fantastic season. Kenningham, as I said, on the score sheet and, and, and Green um, with the bonus point. But um, Barnsley, what, tell us about why you think um, very quickly that Quinns have got this run in all the way to the title time to perfection. I actually don't think they'll win it. I, I think they've got the capacity to beat Exeter, Sale or Bristol because of the freedom of their game. But I think you do need a defensive overlord. And I don't think, I think they're leaking too many points to win both games. But I do think that they could beat Bristol this weekend. It wouldn't surprise me. They're underdogs. There's a belief in what they're doing. And more importantly, I think, I think key word with Harlequin, the players since Gustard went have gone from being long-faced to smiling. They're really enjoying themselves. And, you know, anyone who's played the game knows if you can be in a great team, but if you're not having a good time and you're not enjoying what's going on, it's going to diminish your 15, 20%. Flip side is, if you're really loving it, it's putting a lot on your game. And, and Quinns are loving it. Smith was on his way to Bath because of the burden uh, of, of imposed upon him. Now he's at Quinns and, and he's running the show. And, and the other thing about Harlequins, you know, they, they, they don't have a director of rugby. They've got a series of guys there working with the players. Whereas I criticise Bath for the players not having perhaps as much input as they should. At Quinn's, Kerr and Smith have been given the freedom to play. Don Brandt is a different player, Lawrence, at eight in the last few months. And that's why, because they're the underdogs and because they're just relishing the way they play, I think they could go to Bristol. And if Bristol don't play cute rugby and, and don't play some territory to get in the right places, then if it becomes a sort of a... a a, a broken field shootout, then Quinns can beat anyone. Dotty, um, you've seen quite a bit of Quinns in the same way as Barnes has seen a fair bit of uh, Bath. Not suggesting that that might be your natural uh, tendency you're to go suggesting down. Suggesting that, that this is that we're the geography three or something, are you? <laughs> yes, I am. Indeed, I mean, we're I doing our bit for the for the world for the world's. Uh, I think you're, I think the, the sustainability program is uh, yes, yeah. is alive and kicking in, uh, yeah. in in News International. That's for sure. But uh, your view on Quinns? I mean, they've. Obviously, in the same way as, as Wasps got an enormous bounce last season when Di Young um, exited the club after nine years um, and Lee Blackett took over, that you know they were majestic for the run-in and, and nearly took them all the way to the Premiership title. Quinns have had a similar sort of bounce, haven't they, and haven't looked back since. And, and they seem emboldened and empowered by, um, you know, by, by that, as Barnsley said, with a big smile on their face. I was down at Ashton Gate when they, they lost, to a, to a, ironically, to a Carl Sinclair try, which was dubiously awarded in the last minute of the game and, and I genuinely believe they can go to Bristol and win but um, what, what have you made of Quinns um, and maybe some of their 
less celebrated players who, who seem to be going really well. The, the ironic thing about Quinns is if Barnes is absolutely right, what, what they need is a defensive overlord. But actually, it was the, de- the, it was the defensive overlord that they got rid of when, um, when Paul Gustard departed. I mean, that, that's, that was his super strength. So he goes and all of a sudden, um, you know, the smiles come out and they start playing a different game and, and they look fabulous. So I, I think they can beat Bristol. I think Bristol was the perfect draw them semi-final wise I, I I don't think they're better than Sale or, or, or Exeter but 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 then we can start applying cliches like it's a final anything can happen blah 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 but they've been great to watch but they, they have had a, a, a kind of a this new generation-y thing coming through which is it's clearly been part of it and which, which they've which they've loved I mean you, you mentioned um uh, the new seven, um, Kenningham on, on, on Saturday. Obviously, Lewis Lyon has come through. Luke Northmore's come through. Kenningham was replacing Evans, who's injured. I mean, there's just a, they're, they're rolling out a new group of players, which again suggests probably too young, too early. But, um, but uh, it, it, they, they've, been, they've been great for the game and, yeah. and, and they've, they've been a sort of a, you know, a, a cracking part of this season's narrative, if you like. Here, here. Um, let it be known that even Lawrence Delalio has enjoyed watching Harlequins this season. They've been a pleasure. Very easy on the eye. Yeah, because they're just down the road from you as well, aren't they? Well, I mean, the... so well, yeah. while we're naming and shaming the the, the, the sustainability pod, yeah. <laughs> Lawrence, just just if I could just come in there, they, they have been great for rugby. They've not been anything remotely like as great for rugby as Bristol. Bristol have, have, have led it all the way through. Sometimes it's difficult because when you get to the semi-finals, the fact that you led it all the way through and finished top means nothing. But I, I actually think that Bristol would have been a sensation this year had there had there been crowds. I think it would have been the place where everyone wanted to go to watch rugby. I think they they they, they play a smart, uh, uh, normally smart attacking rugby, and they were playing really good at rugby way before everybody else joined in in the last few months. And uh, the thing is about uh, Harlequins, yeah, they've done brilliantly. But the idea that Pat Lamb is going to be taken by surprise because he didn't realise that Quinns were reasonably good is ridiculous. I think Quinns are the, I think um, Quinns are emerging. I think Bristol are the better side. And if they, unless they play senseless rugby and force it too much, I think they'll win with a bit to spare. We must move on to to Exeter Sale. We'll come back to predictions in a, in a minute, but Exeter Sale, which was, I thought, probably the pick of the games across the weekend in terms of both sides um, could have easily rested players, um, but obviously there was a home semi-final to contest, to contest and both teams went full ball with their selection as much as they could. I think Alex Sanderson is, is definitely onto something up at, up at Sale. Uh, he's got them playing with a cussedness and a, and a, and a steel defensively without conceding cards anymore like uh, uh, like they were going out of fashion um, and, and as you know Rob Baxter and Exeter not quite at their best at the minute but they uh, they're winning games and they're coming from behind to win games which is uh, the stuff of champions um, Jonesy uh, did, did you did you manage to see any of that game yes I did and uh, I, I, you're dead right at one stage though hang on not even Exeter are going to come back from this the the the, the, the great kick in the kicking the testicles really for what was the sight of poor old AJ McGinty going down later on because he'd played a magical game Lawrence I thought he'd been absolutely brilliant I mean he was actually probably their leading uh, turnover man as well as well as everything else he was absolutely extraordinary and and you felt that uh, you do feel as you say that he's building something there and if Mano can give them two seasons at his best best and McGinty stays there 
couple more signings, they're going to be brilliant. Uh, I really do think that um, uh, it left a nasty taste for me because one of the, one of the things that I, 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 I took from the game is that when you are driving close to the opponent's uh, try line, uh, the referee will not penalise you if you are the attacking side. You can be there for 25 minutes. He might give 10 penalties against the defence. He might send off two to the bin, but he will never penalise the attacking side. And I think that fact uh, kept Exeter on the weekend in a, in a protective web uh, so that they could score their tries. I, I thought, in the end, Sale were grossly hard done by. And I guess, listen, it's, I'm, I'm hardly one to, um, to come to the defence of players or, or referees, really, e- e- either way. But uh, I think quite controversially, given what I've seen for most of this season with the tackle height and the laws, etc., I think Dave Ewers can count himself very fortunate to have stayed on the field, you know, with, uh, with a yellow card instead of a red. And then, obviously, Sam Skinner, was, was shown a red card because Carl Dixon realised that he couldn't let them off the hook twice and he was shown his marching orders. But it, they could have easily been down to, to 13 men. Um, and, and I thought Sale were magnificent. But, it, but in the same breath, you know, you deal with what's in front of you and Exeter for two weeks running now have been below par or they've been, they've been slow out the blocks against the Saints and recovered themselves at half-time from an 18-0 deficit. And I thought even more impressively, if I'm honest, when they know deep down that they're nowhere near their best at the minute, for some reason, whatever that reason is, they find themselves 14-3 down against a team that's really up for it. And, and, and they found a way to win. Uh, and they did it with 14 men. And I don't know whether it's people just don't like Exeter or whatever it might be, or that we just had enough of them being good. But any side that can do that, can be down to 14 men, 14-3 down, staring down the barrel and find a way to win, I think deserves credit and, and, and shows the real mark of champions. And I... And yes, I, I love Bristol. And yes, I can make a case for Harlequins. But this Exeter team, Barnsley, I believe, is still the team to beat. Lawrence, you and I, a thousand years ago, played in club teams that often weren't at their best. Yet, with 20 minutes to go and 10 points down, you knew you'd win. And if someone said, how did you know you win? You wouldn't be able to put a finger on it. But you just knew there was something. And that's what comes of, of, of the history of success and Exeter have that, and Exeter have players who make the right decisions at the right time and find their way there. They're not playing well, but because they've been winning trophies, we look at Exeter and say, that's the mark of champions, isn't it? They're not playing well, they're behind, and they get out of jail. We then look at Bristol, and we're saying, cool, they've had about three or four really close games. Their luck's going to run out. Yet we're discussing exactly the same thing. So that's where Bristol need to take that next step and Exeter need to go to the, the history that's in them, the knowledge of how to win trophies. And I think when you get to knockout matches, that's when it gets even more pronounced. Uh, the home draw is vital for Exeter. And if they get to Twickenham, they may not even be the, they may be the second best team against either Bristol or Harlequins, but they will still be the one to beat because they have that deep inner belief and knowledge how to win and and that counts for so much as you're listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Right, next on the block time, uh, your predictions for the for the uh, semi-finals, just to remind everyone, it is, of course, Bristol against Quinns, the first game on Saturday at uh, Ashton Gate, and then, of course, Exeter against Sale at Sandy Park. Who's going to contest the final, Jonesy? I think the momentum of Exeter, Lawrence, and the loss of uh, AJ McGinty, even though they got a springbok to come in at 10, uh, means that Exeter, Exeter will win that, and I think they'll contest the final uh, by a narrow margin, but uh, but uh, against Bristol, I think it'll be Bristol's Exeter, and be fair, two great semis, and 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 what a great final that would be! Couldn't be better, Slotty. Yeah, I think Jones is probably right, but I can definitely see Sale um, doing it uh, at Sandy Park just because they they they've seen that they know that they can do it because they saw it last weekend. They know how close they were. Um, uh, the, and they'll have that the belief from that, and they'll. I think you know something in their heads will uh, might take them take them the whole way. So that 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 would be the that would be the possibility. Quins could do it, but I, I don't think they will. Andy, you made a very strong case for Harlequins in the newspaper. Was that um was that was that a pipe dream that you just? Come on, Barnsley, stick with it. Was that a pipe dream that you invented uh, in your in your uh, sleep, no or, or are you, you prepared I... to stick by it? At no stage did I say Harlequins will win. I said the way they're playing, there's a maybe involved. I don't think they'll beat Bristol. I think they'll make a rarity, which is a competitive semi-finals. We don't get many. We get routes. I think it'll be a high-scoring, classy game with Bristol winning it. In the other game, I just get the feeling Sale have blown their chance. I think they needed a semi-final at home. I think Exeter will say, Christ, we got away with this one. We're at home again. We know what to do. And I think Exeter might win that one with surprisingly a little bit in hand, as good as Sale have been. So I think it's uh, an M5 derby, yeah. And I think just to add to my own feeling, I think Bristol will will flex their their collective muscles and um, and, and show us how good they, they are uh, and, and they'll contest their first premiership final. And I, and I do feel that Exeter will be waiting nervously on the disciplinary to see if Dave Ewers faces any further action for that high mm-hmm. tackle. Because if mm-hmm. he's removed from proceedings, I think he would be a significant loss because we know that Sam Skinner will not be playing. Um, and it may not affect them in the semi-final um, because I think they've got too much for sale, especially with the injuries to um, uh, Akka van der Merwe and, and to AJ McGinty, who I think are two big players for sale. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'll be a... Bristol Exeter final, and let's be honest, consistently they've probably been the best two sides, so no one could really argue with that. Talking about good sides, um, we should mention Saracens. I know it's popular with Jonesy, so uh, we'll, we'll crack on. Owen, you were um, 
you, you were at, uh, was it at Ealing? I think it was at Ealing, wasn't it, the first game? You were there for us, again, a relatively close fixture, so uh, keeping with our sustainability <laughs> profile. Um, I don't know why you chose that, but um, anyway, Saracens, it was um, it turned into a sort of pretty one-sided affair. In fact, they declared on 60 for no loss. Yeah, it, it was um, edge of your seat for about 30 seconds or something, and then um, and then off they went. Saracens got a penalty, I think, in the third minute or something. Could have gone to the corner, paid their host the respect of kicking the points, went 3-0 up, and they didn't give anything at all from then on from, from the first to the end. I mean, they... They, they, they won the game within 20 minutes and then they won the second quarter and the third quarter and then they could have put their feet up for the fourth quarter, but they absolutely destroyed them in the fourth quarter as well. I mean, they, did, they just didn't stop and it was it was just a display of what they're like when they really, really, really care and they really, really cared and, and blow me down, it showed the difference. Jonesy, do you think it's a, a bit of an eye-opener for, I mean, there's a lot of talk about promotion and relegation and, and obviously Saracens will be coming up and who knows, maybe even... The following season, Ealing Trail Finals will also be coming up to contest a 14-team Premiership. But um, I mean, if that, I mean, Saracens are very much uh, come from the top of the Premiership, even though they they find themselves in the Championship at the moment. But does it just show you the the the, the, the glaring chasm of of difference, both financially and and in every other way, between a team at the top of the Premiership and Europe potentially in Saracens and a team at the top of the championship in Ealing Trail Finals. Yes, it does, Lawrence. It, it, absolutely colossal chasm, unlikely to be reached any uh, breached or, or, or crossed any time soon, uh, and quite brutal. I mean, one, one or two people were saying, well, I think Ealing have got a good side. This could be quite close. Um, in, incidentally, it was quite good for, for Saracens because their players needed, uh, their Lions needed a good tough game, you know, which, which in fact, in the end, they didn't get. But um, no, it, it is a chasm. I mean, just uh, just make one point though, Lawrence. Over in France, where none of us went on uh, grounds of uh, uh, being green, they just finished a magnificent Division Two over there, in which uh, Stefan Armitage, of all people, kicked a uh, kicked a goal to take them into the top division. Mm. That's what happens when you pro- have a proper Division Two, when you nourish it, you, you link it up with the local authorities and the regions and with the union, mm. you have you have two great divisions. Yeah. Both, uh, uh, the Division Two is every game is live on television and it came to an unbelievable conclusion on the mm. day when the English uh, Championship was coming to an embarrassing conclusion. Anyone who, who goes on Social channels will will see some highlights of that Beeritz against Bayon. First time French crowds were back in the stadiums as well. It was a magnificent occasion, and uh, it's great to see Beeritz back in the big time. And yeah. as you say, there, I mean it's a it's a it's a debate for another day. But there is an argument that's to suggest that the championship is is never going to reclaim its its former glories. And should university rugby actually replace it? Um, I mean, I went down to watch my son make his debut for Bristol University against Bath University on. Uh, uh, on the weekend, um, on Friday evening, uh, there was over 650 people watching, a raucous, quite chirpy crowd, local derby. And the quality of rugby, I have to say, was, was you know, having watched a lot of rugby this season, was, was, was fantastically high. And I just wonder whether, actually, with a bit of investment in the same, I mean, if you look at all the money that's been invested over the championship in many years, uh, if you were to invest that sort of money into university rugby, you know, would, would you know, a bit like the, the, the collegiate college college system in the US, could that be the place where 
the next generation of, 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 of great rugby players are, are to be found because uh, at the moment, I just don't see it in the championship uh, unless something radically different is done. But listen, I'd want to talk about the England squad very quickly. Eddie Jones has named uh, 33 players a couple of weeks ago, many of which are uncapped. He's also named, uh, he's due to name some more this weekend, uh, which will come from everyone who's not in the semi-finals. And then he'll probably name some more after the final. Three games, one against Scotland. A, is it Scotland A or Scotland? Scotland A, yeah. Scotland A, one against the US and one against Canada. Uh, I mean, it's not quite the trip to Argentina that uh, he had four years ago, but it's it's still international rugby and some slotty, some some standout names there really um, from from players who have been performing week in week out in in the in the Gallagher Premiership and and finally they get their opportunity. Yeah, it's it's it, it's brilliant and exciting. We, you know, we we could say, oh, here we go, we're going to see Max Ajomo playing for England or something, uh, which which we might, but a lot a lot of these players will come under um, Eddie's eye and then probably never be seen again. I mean, uh, you know, dare I mention dear old Paolo Adogwu, who we're all going, oh, brilliant, Eddie's fan. Eddie's um, unearthed a, 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 a gem here and he, he polished him and didn't let him twinkle, if, uh, if that um, makes any sense. But but please, for, for a lot of the players, uh, um, some players that, that had struck my eye that I thought might, might um, be worthy of elevation that, Ollie Hassel Collins, a London Irish um, uh, winger, I think, um, has done really well. And Tom Parton, another London Irish uh, uh, back three player, um, excellent. Really, really interested to see how they go. I'm wondering what he's going to do about his nines, because because England nine has been a, a problem for Eddie, isn't he? Because he, he just can't see beyond um, Ben Young's ever. Both Rafi Quirk and um, uh, Van Portflit at Leicester, who've been sort of touted as the as the, as the future at nine, they've both been named in the uh, England under 20s, which suggests that Eddie might stick with Dan Robson and Alex Mitchell uh, for this um, for the England squad in the in the, uh, in the summer. Jonesy, dare I say it? There's a, a lot of players on, um, that, that Eddie obviously has chosen that he can't pick. Lions and and he's picked one or two. There's players that they've decided that are going to have a rest across the summer. George Ford, um, you know, maybe Slade. Who, who knows? But um, dare I say it? He's he's actually picked a. a for this young generation, you know, players on form, players who are playing really, really well. Um, when, when you could possibly argue that sometimes in his frontline selections, he doesn't pick players on form. Well, I, I actually totally agree with that. I mean, my my, my big um, sort of reje- rejection of any scrum uh, uh, selection philosophy, Lawrence, is that he doesn't pick players. He seems to hate it when people senior players in the in the Premiership play bloody well, and that's ludicrous. But he, he has picked out a few uh, th- this time who, who seem to be there on merit. So perhaps when he goes to these Premiership games now, maybe he goes with his glasses on because there's no evidence he did in the past. But at least he's seen a few this time. And uh, and and Barnsley for. For, for those club club journeymen um, who've been playing at the highest level consistently at, at club level all all their careers, um, I guess they'll look at the elevation of someone like Josh Bassett, for instance, at Wasps, who's 29 years of age, who previously Eddie would have said, well, you don't fall into the age profile that I'm looking for, because clearly you're not anywhere close to being the fourth choice best winger in England. So why should I pick you? But I, I think that that selection, not because he plays for Wasps, but the age that he is, and the fact that he's finally at the age of 29 been picked in an England squad, I think he's a great kind of standard bearer for any any young aspiring player to keep going. Yeah, he deserves it. But it's not just, oh, well done, you could get a cap 
for England. This whole concept uh, of age is nonsense. Phil Mickelson, I watched England play yesterday, and Luka Modric in his mid-30s was magnificent. We're at a stage now in professional sport when sportsmen are prepared, they have the preparation, they look after their bodies, they can go longer. I just don't buy into that. I mean, this team I'd like to have seen one of Steve's old favourites, Dave Atwood in. He's not too old for the World Cup. You know, we look at Jerome Kaino, 38, European Cup winner. So I don't think age is an issue. So I think Bassett has just belatedly got the chance he should have had a year or two earlier. Yeah, yeah. Could he have picked Jerome Kaino? Would Eddie have picked him? I, I think he probably would. He wouldn't. Eddie didn't mind age. And then suddenly, uh, about a week and a half ago, he started saying we're in the second part of the 2023 plan. And that's when old people who were just getting picked with no concept about the impact on two years extra rugby, suddenly they were going to be too old. And it's a classic old Eddie excuse, really. So I I look at his first squad uh, and I think a load are going to get bailed out after the semis, then there's the final. So I I haven't taken a great look at it. So one or two things. The age thing again, Ben Spencer is now forgotten man. He played Alex Mitchell off the park. Ben Spencer plays most scrum halves off the park, but apparently because he's not 21, he's finished. It's an absolute nonsense. But I'll go for a youngster who I am looking forward to too. Freddie Stewart, a fullback who is physical, is like Dan Bigger in his aerial dominance, tough, really relished the England game. And then there's Tom de Glanville, who plays with glittering moments of brilliance. And and watching him Saturday, I'm just thinking this kid is really improving at a rate of knots. And if he was French, he wouldn't be looked at just for Canada and USA. They'd be looking at him for the Autumn Series. He, he really seems to have a huge amount of potential. It's time for your God or Goddess of the Week. And in no particular order, Barnsley, why don't I start with you? Can you start with someone else? I don't have okay. my God at the moment. Okay. Well, I'll start with myself just because I'm the host and I can. Um, and before one of you nicks him as my God of the week, um, I've, I'm going to have to go with the uh, irrepressible Sam Simmons uh, as my God of the season, actually, let alone the week. Uh, as, a, as a former number eight myself, um, um, I've been uh, uh, so, so impressed with one, how he has responded. Uh, this is a guy who has seven international caps under Eddie Jones, who snapped his ACL quite recently, who went through a gruelling rehabilitation and, and, has, and has developed into a, a, an international player of the highest calibre. Uh, he has scored 20 premiership tries. That is more premiership tries than I scored in my career. He has scored 20 in a season, beating the record held by Christian Wade and, um, uh, and by Dominic Chapman of Richmond. So, uh, yes, you know, to a certain extent, he's a benefactor of the way that Exeter play, um, and uh, particularly when they get into that red zone. But He's just been magnificent. So, um, you know, right from that first game uh, away at uh, La Rochelle, whenever it was, all the way through to, uh, uh, to to what we've seen, I think he's been brilliant. So Sam Simmons is my God of the week. Barnsley, is that enough time for you? Yeah, yeah. It's the strangest God I've ever found in the heavens, but I'm going to go for Steve Borthwick as my God of the week. No, stop <laughs> recording. Stop recording. That's the end of the podcast. It's been no, good to see you all, guys. Cheers, lads. Great podcast. See you. Do this again next week. <laughs> Barnsley, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to tell me right. why Steve Borthwick is your God of the Week. Listen, 
the team so many people love to hate Leicester have fallen on hard grounds for two years. They've been the kicking team that should have been relegated. Borthwick has given the pack some power. He's reasserted the importance of set-piece rugby. He can be a little bit uninteresting when he speaks after again, but the other week he stood up to Pat Lamb bravely and having beaten Wass away, I think you can say Borthwick has done a mighty fine job with Leicester and despite the mortal mockery that I have sustained from you three, I'm going for Steve Borthwick. You know what? Had they had they won the Challenge Cup final, I'd be I'd be all over that. But I still think that you know that was a game that they could have and should have won, even at this stage of their evolution against a poor Montpellier side. If I'm honest, Slotty. Yeah. So um, I was going to go for uh, someone at Quinns or or, or at Ealing um, because they're just down the road and it would sustain the the the, the long running narrative joke of this podcast. But um, I've got a, a couple of gods. Um, uh, uh, whose names you might not have heard of. One is John Lorne, who's the RFU's head of game development. And the other is Simon Kemp, who is the RFU head of medical services. And um, today, the RFU, well, you, if you've read your, your time today, you'll have read it already because we had an exclusive story there today. But today, the RFU are announcing um, new tackle trials um, for next season. They're going to trial the, the waist height as the uh, opt as the new uh, opt uh, the new height for a, for a tackle in a number of games at, at junior level, um, they push this through. Uh, God knows, did the game need something like this to see how, how which direction it should go in to make it safer? I don't know if it's going to work, but um, but but rugby's got to try something like this. So they are my gods because they push this through and they deserve a lot of credit for it. Jonesy, please tell me that one of us is not going to omit the great Mike Brown from our God of the Week um, as he's uh, as he's departing Harlequins. But I don't want to put any pressure on you at all in any way whatsoever. I don't feel under any pressure, and especially no pressure not to pick Mike Brown. I'm afraid I thought he won far too many caps for England when there were better players around. And but also I've, I'm very conflicted now because we've had a bit of fun with this, and we always do, and uh, we've had a, jo- a jolly podcast. But I find it very difficult not to pick my all-time favourite football player and a fantastic, lovely guy uh, in Christian Eriksen. Wow. Yes, very, very, very good choice indeed. And um, our thoughts uh, uh, remain with him and his family on on his recovery uh, after the the, the weekend's uh, football match. My thanks to Stuart Barnes, Stephen Jones and of course Owen Slot. The Ruck returns on Thursday with a special edition talking to NFL star Nate Ebner who's taking time out to try and win Olympic gold with the USA Rugby Sevens team. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review and you can subscribe on Acast, iTunes and your usual podcast provider. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.